Welcome to Friendship with God. I'm David Cantor. Today, my father, Tom Cantor, will share with us what the book of Genesis teaches about the Trinity. Today's message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we have a terrible disease inside of us, our sinful nature. It's like a beast. We wrestle with it. We fight with it. It wears us out. And we ask you now this morning, Lord, to put that beast in the cave, in the cage, Lord, and, and uh, help us as we open your word to see clearly the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Yes. Now, turn if you, you got it, right? Hebrews 1. Hebrews, what am I saying? <laughs> Genesis 1. <laughs> All right, Genesis 1, here we go. All right, ready? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, we're, here we are in verse 1. Now, in, in, in the Hebrew, this reads, uh, in case you were interested to know, it reads, Bereshit bara Elohim hashemayim va'et ha'eretz. If that, if that was interesting to you, I don't know. But anyway, the second and the third word are very important in that phrase. That's the word bara Elohim. All right? So those are very, very important. You, you'll, you'll see, you'll, you'll, you'll see that you, you, you'll realize you couldn't go to sleep tonight unless you know what the importance of those two words are. So that's what we're going to do, let you sleep tonight. All right, so behind those two words, bara Elohim, there's a very important truth to be taught to us. Elohim is the word for God. I think you all know that. That's the first time in the Bible that this, this word is used, which is not surprising because we're on the second and third word of the Bible, so it's the first time in the Bible. And we have to examine very carefully this word Elohim because the word Elohim has the typical plural ending for, uh, in Hebrew. That's what it has. The word, it's like we put an S on, on the end of a word, so, and that makes it plural. So there you go. So if you want to say, you know, a bagel and locks, then if you said bagels and loxes, I guess you'd say. But anyway, there you go. That makes it plural. It's got the S on the end, right? So that's what happens when you put em on the end of a word in Hebrew. So you learned something very valuable this morning in Sunday school class. You go down to D.C. Aikens, the Jewish delicatessen, and you say, I want some begalim and some loxim. And they'll say, how many? Because you put the em on the end of the word. All right. So for sure, Elohim is a plural word. It's for sure. And it's not a singular word. Nobody doubts that. Doubt a lot of other things, but they don't doubt that. And even though our English Bibles reads, all of our English Bible reads God, in the beginning, God for a singular word, that's not how it is. It's plural. The singular form is Eloah. Eloah is used in the Bible. It's just used in the Bible. About 70 times you find the word Eloah used in the Bible. That always refers to the false god. Baal was an Eloah. All right. If you, incidentally, if you take the Arabic word for Eloah, you have Allah. 
Now, but the singular, so that's a singular word, that's Eloah, never appears in the Bible as a reference to God, the true God. Why? Because our God is a plurality of persons. And the word Elohim is not rarely used. It's not rarely used in the Bible. It appears over 2,000 times. For sure, Elohim is a plural word. It means gods. You say, gods? Oh, no. It says, I've always understood that those pagan civilizations that the Jewish people came into, that they were all polytheistic. And the Jewish people were the first who believed in monotheism. So how could this be that the word for God in the Jewish Bible is gods? How could that be? Well, the next word's interesting. The word bara. Because bara is, comes from the word to create. And let me show you the point behind this, this word. Now, I'm going to say some sentences, and, 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 and you're going to tell me whether I got the grammar right or not, okay? All right, ready? Here we go. God has made the heavens and the earth. Did I get that right? All right, okay, I'm okay, good. All right. Gods have made the heavens and the earth. Did I get that right? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Gods have made. They have made. Is that right? Uh, okay. <laughs> we got a problem already? All right. Now, God have made the present. Did I get that right? He have made. Okay, all right, good. All right, so now we're, we're trying to get on the same page here, but there's a lot of pages flying around right now. So, all right. Now, it, it, it should be. God has made, right? You don't say God have, God, you don't say God have made, right? They have made, all right. Don't feel bad. I, I also flunked uh, uh, freshman English. It was a requirement for graduating from the school I went to at Miami University. You had to pass basic grammar and basic English. I got a D. I failed it. I couldn't graduate from the school. My wife, Cheryl, before she was my wife, tutored me. I got a B, and then I decided I have to marry her. <laughs> Otherwise, I might not graduate from college. All right, now, why? What was that all about? Because the, the, it's about numbers. The, the, I, I put a plural number noun, gods, with a singular number verb, has made. Okay, and, and that's what I just said. Okay, God has, gods, gods has made and that's not right, right? Because he has made. God's has made. God's has made the heavens and the earth. That's exactly the way it reads here in, in verse 1. It reads that way. God's, Elohim, has made, bara, the heavens and the earth. You would normally make that God's, Elohim, have made, baru, the heavens and the earth. But this is not that way. This is God's has, bara, made the heavens and the earth. So the second and the third words in the Bible, in the Torah, for, for, all right, in the Torah, they don't match a number. Now, what's with the Torah? I mean, the second word is plural, Elohim, so it reads God's, and the third word is for a singular, has made. So, I mean, it, 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 what's this? This is what you call hillbilly Hebrew. Right? <laughs> hillbilly, what's up with the hillbilly Hebrew, right? What does it mean, God's has made, instead of God's have made? 
Right? Maybe God doesn't know, but is God, maybe God, 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 maybe God doesn't know good grammar. Right? Is that it? God knows good grammar. Okay? Or maybe it was Moses. I mean, Moses, you know, maybe he was a hillbilly. I mean, after all, he, he was on the backside of a desert in and, and Midian. What can you expect, right? But, no, he was very, very highly educated. Moses was very highly educated in the best schools of the world in Egypt. He, he wasn't a, a hillbilly. Now, Maybe he was worn out. Maybe he was tired. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's a tough job. He's scribing all the time. You know, poor Moses. You know, there's 79,847 words. Another important piece of information for you. In the first five books of Moses, the Torah has 79,847 words. And so, I mean, you know, maybe he's just like scribing and scribing and scribing. And it's a hard job. And he's tired. And he made a mistake, right? Well, no, because this was only the second and the third word in the books, right? It wasn't like he was writing the 782nd verse of it, you know. This was the second and the third, so he was fresh. He was on his game. He was all right. Okay. Oh, I know what it was. I got this one now. It said, it was those Christians. Mm, they had that theory, that theory about the Trinity. They must have, they must have broken it at night into the Hebrew archives and changed it. Changed it all without anybody who was looking, right? And maybe that happened. So, no, because this text and the book of Genesis was found in Qumran, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. That was 200 years before those Christians came on the scene. So it's authentic. I mean, it really does read that way. It must mean something. It's intentional. It, what does it mean? That's the big question. It's important for us to see what, this, what God is trying to say, tell us about himself when he says, Bara Elohim, God has, God's has made. Look at verse 3. Genesis 1-3, and God said, and, 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 and that reads Elohim. Now, th- this is... Elohim appears 42 times in the Bible, in, in the, 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 uh, this phrase, rather. This phrase that, that God said, and God said, Elohim said, appears 42 times in the Bible. So, so it's a phrase. You see it over, the, over and over ten. Usually it's with and. And God said, God said, Elohim said, Elohim, Vayamer Elohim, and God said. And Elohim is, uh, is, is plural, as we said. But guess what Yomer is in the said part? That's singular. That's singular again. So it's really reading God's have said. God's have said. God's, it, sorry, it doesn't read God's have said. I'm getting my confused myself. But anyway, it reads God's has said. That's how it's literally reading here. It's more, it's more hillbilly Hebrew. Now Why? Well, you look at Genesis one twenty six, and God, there it is again, and God, plural, singular, uh, for said. So it's reading here, God's has said, let us make man, those are, you know, us, plural pronouns, us, let us make man in our image. So we turn to the rabbis with a question like this, and we said, all right, rabbis, now, you know, you tell us, what's your explanation for the fact that God said, let us make man in our image? And, and, um, and the rabbis say, well, obviously, God was speaking to the angels when he said that, 
Let's make me honest. I love the answer of my wife when I told her that. I said, you know what the rabbi said? The rabbi said that it says, let us make man in our image, because they said he was talking to the, to the angels. And, and she said, well, if that were true, where are the wings? <laughs> she said, if God was talking to the angels, then how come man didn't come out with angel wings? <laughs> who is this us? Who is this, who, who is this our that we read of his. Who is this us and let us make man in our image? Turn to Genesis 2, verses 4 and 5. Genesis 2, 4 and 5. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven and the earth. Made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not made it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Now, wait a minute. Now, here's a brand new name for God. We don't have this name. The first time this one is not Elohim. We're talking about the word that the, that, that the King James translators have, have put in there as Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that's another word. That's the word. I'm not so good at pronouncing it. Va. Okay? <laughs> so every, you know, you see, now you can go to sleep tonight because you can say va. Okay? Because it's a lot easier to say Jehovah than it is to say va. Okay, but that's what it says there. And it's, it, it appears, that one appears over 6,000 times in the Bible, that particular word. Three times more than the word Elohim. Uh, that word is not a plural word. Word, hmm. That word's not a plural word, and this says the Lord. Let's call him Jehovah. Jehovah, God, plural. Jehovah singular, God plural. So here's a person who's identified that way. In fact, to make this to get get this right, let's just call the God persons in the Elohim. Let's just make it simple and say Godhead. When we see Elohim, when we say, when we see in the King James, when we see God, G, capital G, small O, small D, then we'll know that the translators are telling us that that's the word Elohim, because that's what it is. And we'll say to ourselves, we'll say Elohim, and then we're going to say to ourselves, what? Godhead. We're going to say Godhead. We're going to see G-O-D in the Bible, if you've got a King James Bible. I don't know how it is in other Bibles. Anyway, if you have that, then you can say, oh, okay, that's Elohim. That's, that's uh, Godhead. Godhead is, is Elohim. There's one person in the Elohim Godhead called Jehovah. One person. And our verses in Genesis 2, 4 through 5 say that he is the, he is the one person in the Elohim Godhead that made the heavens and the earth. And this one person is called Jehovah, and, and, and he also made it not to rain on the earth until then. So we're on the subject of the persons in the Elohim, Godhead. Now look at the second verse in Genesis 1-2. And it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Well, here's another person in the Elohim or Godhead, right? And he's revealed to us, and he's got a new name. And his name is Spirit of Elohim. Spirit, Ruach Elohim. Spirit 
of, uh, of the Godhead, spirit of the Godhead. And now we have the second person. Now turn to Genesis 3.22. And the Lord, and what is that word? Jehovah. Lord, that's the, that's the, that's the trigger point that, that the uh, translators put in there for us. Capitals, L-O-R-D, means Jehovah. Va, yeah. oh, so we, anyway. And, uh, and Lord God, what's that word? Yeah, right. It's the Godhead. The Elohim, the Godhead, very good. All right, so here it is. Uh, the Lord God, the Jehovah person of the Godhead, said, uh, he said, and that's the singular word for said, he has said, uh, the, the Jehovah gods, Jehovah of gods has said, okay. Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So here's this one person called the Lord, called the Jehovah, and he, and he stands up there, and he's, he, he's this person of the Jehovah, the Elohim, Jehovah of the Godhead, and this one person, he, he's speaking to the other persons in the Godhead, and he's saying, a very dangerous situation has just come up. Now, man has fallen to sin. That's already passed. That's not the dangerous situation that he's talking about. The dangerous situation here is that man's already sinful, is that, is that he, he, he could put forth his hand, as he says, and eat of the tree of life in his sinful state. That's a big problem. That's a huge danger. Why? Because then he would live forever. And forever how? In a sinful state. That'd be bad. Who lives forever in a sinful state? Satan does. And the devils, the demons do. They live forever in a sinful state. They cannot die. They're stuck. Their feet are in the cement. There's no hope for them. They cannot die. And God knows that the only hope for Adam and the only hope for us is death. That's a hope. You may not see it that way, but that's the way it is. Why? Because as we die, as Adam dies, then he can be resurrected into a new life, a second life, a being born again to a second life as a new man. The old man's got to die. And God knew that because God's very smart. And Jehovah of the Godhead tells the other persons in the Godhead, man has to be prevented from eating of this tree of life. He needs to die. And so we've got to save him. We've got to save him from eating from the tree of life because we want to save him from his sins. So, so, put, so put some of those cherubims with the flame for Get him out. And so, so don't resent your death, by the way. Because the fruit of the tree of knowledge, that was just the first course that Satan was serving up for Adam and Eve. That was like the appetizer. The fruit of the tree of knowledge. Satan, he had plans. He had an entree coming. He had the next one. You know what that was? That was the tree of of life. Yeah. Because Satan, he don't want to be alone in this hell. So he's he's thinking, you know, I want Adam and Eve. Now I got him sinful. Now I'll get him to fix in that position. To be forever in that state. They got to eat this fruit of the tree of life. And praise God that he stepped in. And this situation said, stop, stop, stop immediately. Not so fast, devil. And he ushers Adam and Eve out. Get them out quick. They didn't understand. Probably was going on. They didn't understand. I don't know if they understood or not. We'll ask them. Anyway, so next time that you, you dread death, think about that. Think about that. After having received God's 
lamb of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to die in your old man. You have to die so that you can live forever in the new man, which in Ephesians 4.24 is stated as the new man that is created in righteousness. Dad, you brought up an interesting truth about the word Elohim. It's the third word in the Bible, and you mentioned how it raises eyebrows because of what it teaches us about God. Can you explain more about how it teaches us about God? Well, it's a very surprising word because the fact is, without any question whatsoever, that word is plural. Everybody who knows the basics of the Hebrew language understands that the ending im on the end of a word is like putting the letter s, it's plural. So there's no way to get around the fact that the truth is, is that that is the word for gods. So really, when it says in the beginning, we say God created, but literally in the Hebrew, it's saying in the beginning, God's created. And then as we pointed out, it uses the singular form of the verb. But that's very, very important because we don't come to the Bible and try to to change the Bible into what we believe. We come to the Bible like a little child and ask God to teach us the truth. So when we come to the Bible with that spirit, then we, we're like a little child sitting down and God opens up the book to us and every single word's important. And when we read in the beginning God's, we stop and we say, there's got to be more than one person. There's got to be more than one person. But yet it's a special group. Why is it a special group? Well, because as we pointed out, it's got this, this singular verb that goes along with it, like we pointed out. So what this really means and what the scriptures really bear out is that who we call God, the creator, is made up of three persons. There, You cannot get around the fact that the Bible teaches that there is more than one person in the Godhead. Who are these persons? Abba Elohim, or Father, God the Father. Bain Elohim, or God the Son. Ruach Elohim, or Holy Spirit, God. God, Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. These are three different persons. Just like Eric's is a person different from me sitting next to me, and and we're different persons. So each one of these three are different persons in the Godhead. That's why the term Godhead is so very, very important. We learned that from the third word in the Bible, from Elohim. And what it says in Deuteronomy 6.4, the most famous prayer in Judaism or among the Jewish people is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. How does it read? Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel. Adonai, our master, Eloheinu, our gods, plural, Elohim, our gods, Eloheinu, our gods, Echad, Adonai, Echad, 
are one, one. They're together. They're a unity. They're, 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 you, you, you can't divide them in terms of their purpose, in terms of their character. And they are, even though they are three distinct persons, they are also one in their, in their togetherness. That's what the Bible teaches. I didn't make it up. You didn't make it up. God is stating it as fact. That's what we have to accept. But Dad, isn't it true that the word Trinity never actually appears in the Bible? Does that mean that the Trinity doesn't really exist? Well, Trinity, you're right, is a man-made word. That's a Trinity then in the sense that, that it, it doesn't appear in the Bible. You won't find the word Trinity in the Bible at all. That doesn't mean that it's not true. Because when we describe things such as the Godhead being made up of three persons, that's what Trinity means. In other words, we use the term Trinity not because it's found in the Bible, because it's not found in the Bible. But we use the term Trinity because it describes what the Bible teaches. What does the Bible teach? That, the, that, that, that God is a Godhead of three persons. So we can say God, the Godhead of three persons, or we can just simply say Trinity. It's easier to say Trinity, so we say Trinity. How do you know that the Trinity is really true? Isaiah 48, 16. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was. In other words, this is the great I am. There am I, and now the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. Here he is speaking, the one from eternity, and he says the Lord God is there and his spirit. Proverbs 34 says, who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of earth? That's obviously God. What is his name and what is his son's name? If thou canst tell. If thou canst tell. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you join us again tomorrow for another exciting message from my father, Tom Cantor. Today's message, as well as previous messages, are available for download at friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us at 1-800-247-3051 for a copy of today's message. Be sure to join us again tomorrow at the same time.